I don't think we're born into this world with any ill intent. We need to realize the most important thing that we are, we are human. Oh, I didn't even realize we were poor people because we had such a good life. Sometimes you dream as far as your, your, your exposure, but imagination can take you a little bit further than that. Welcome to the Making of a Hoodie podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Making of a Hoodie podcast. In this podcast today, we're looking at the topic of co-CEOs and this hoodie that we're going to make is for co-CEOs. My name is Rianne Miller and I'm a proud Wiringu, Narunga and Wongatha woman. I'm based in Australia on Gubby Gubby land. My name is Wanyaga Shaka Farid, a Ugandan of Randy's descent. I'm Jacqueline Twilly, based out of New York, but originally from the New Orleans, Louisiana area. My name is Butari Naromondo, and I'm from South Africa. And this year I've been named as one of the AIM co-CEOs. I'm excited and pumped to connect with the humans from all over the world. I'm honored to be co-CEO. It's an absolute honor to be connected with co-CEOs from all around the world. We've been exploring this idea of unlikely connections by a factor of five, which is kind of like if you hold up your hand um, and you look at all of the digits on your hand, you can sort of, for most of us, you can see five digits. So if you think of the thumb as a starting point of where you are and wherever you are in the world, if you go to the edge of your network and build a relation um, with an unlikely connection and that goes to your forefinger and then they go to the edge of their network and bring someone into um, your group that's your middle finger and you keep going around then we think that starts to work against some of the systems that we've inherited right back to you know four or five centuries ago um, with big colonial empires setting up setting up many of our modern nations with structures which were built for people to be inside the margins and built for people to be outside the margins. So at its core, when we don't think that human beings are fundamentally evil at AIM, or we think that human beings are fundamentally decent. And I'm very lucky today to be able to have the chance to hang out with four human beings who are fundamentally decent, I believe, and doing their best to um, to, to go about in the world and, and bring kindness and joy. And, let me start with that um, as a first topic for us to explore, gang, is are human beings fundamentally decent and are the systems that we've got busted? A personal story, I think. Everything that, that has happened around and how life stands for me today has been because human beings have been nice to me. For example, like what we're trying to work on here, yeah, I think it's living proof of the goodness in human beings, how we get... Uh, these different individuals who would be in a certain group of their own coming together to connect. And like most of the times, like what happens is like when uh, these individuals connect uh, from different backgrounds or different walks of life or people who are what we normal in courts, what we would say normally not connect. Um, the result is always like amazing, I think, or better. What what I think, like maybe what we've learned as human beings is, is uh, to be uh, okay with what's happening now 
and we've forgotten how to to imagine what would be the better situation or what would be uh, the result if we did things differently. But uh, as human beings, I feel like that's what has always led to where we are. And like whatever position you're holding in life or whatever your people or people like you were like a hundred years ago, it's, I would say it's a better standard of living now or it's a, it's a more comfortable life or a fair way of living compared to what it was. And uh, that has only happened because human beings have made it happen. And I think like that, that, that's proof that human beings care for each other. I agree that overall humans are fundamentally uh, decent. We know about the injustice and that gets amplified, that story gets told. And when we hear stories from our communities from around the world, we realize the kindness that goes throughout communities of people that don't meet each other, that's in each of our communities before we ever connect with each other. And that's the reason when we look at different continents and we hear amazing stories of people, even with adversity in their face when they do amazing things, that's what gives me hope. Like, yeah, on every continent, there are people who live with kindness as a value. In my community, um, in Louisiana, my, my home state, I often hear stories of elder people who say, oh, I didn't even realize we were poor people because we had such a good life. We had laughter, we had joy, we would sit around in the yard and play games. And those are the, the pieces of human nature that I don't think it's amplified enough it's definitely not glamorized when we watch movies or tv or see on social media but that's where my hope in humanity goes back to is like when you don't have all the flashy stuff and you still find a way to have joy that's the hope for me I think the definitive answer is no humans are not bad I don't think we're born into this world with any ill intent we're not we're not born into the world wanting to make it a worse place. In fact, it's quite opposite. I think we're born with hope and with opportunity and with the chance to be able to be who we are and express it in ways that we want to. And I do believe the systems that we're raised into and that we're taught in are flawed. And I think there needs to be work done in order for us to be able to, to change that. But at the end of the day, yeah, I don't believe any human in the world has ill intent to harm or to hurt one another. Um, and I don't believe our systems are set up to harm or, or to, yeah, to negatively impact people, but they are potentially outdated. And that's what needs to change. Yeah, I think it's fair to fair to like be a little bit pointy, and and I think it stacks up like historically that you know the systems that we've inherited in a lot of the a lot of the countries on planet Earth they were set out to harm a big group of people. We totally um, we totally have inherited systems which were set out to harm people and to isolate people and to devalue people 
to be able to, in, in most parts, take land to like con to inverted commas conquer, take land, take the riches, take the soil, and to to dehumanize a lot of our um, indigenous people and a lot of people of color, people of gender, and for a small group to win. Where we are now, I think you could say that for in many many countries there has been a big movement in the last couple of hundred years towards basic human rights and towards trying to accept what I think is the most like fundamental idea that every human life has worth and every human life I believe has equal worth and so that's our challenge I think is where we've inherited a bunch of systems which were designed for a certain level of thinking and a certain level of intelligence um, and from a certain group of people and what I think is exciting like um, is that when you what we have now is a groundswell of like a desire to to see more people be able to have a decent life to see more of that um that equality and our challenge and our opportunity i think is is sort of has anyone ever sat on a seesaw as a kid growing up or as an adult have, have yes I, I did this weekend oh that's great news when i think of the seesaw i think part of what we've done in this race to progress is we've said to people from outside the margins um, hey, we'll tip the seesaw down this way. You're welcome inside the margins now, but come and behave in these set of established rules. The the people inside the margins, if if they really want to see and connect to people from outside the margins, then we'll tip the seesaw the other way and and walk into another um, you know another playground. And I think that's the most exciting thing that if we can actually cross the train tracks to both sides and have the seesaw moving back and forward I think we'll find a sweeter balance in the exchange of intelligence because at the moment it's sort of like oh still based on some sort of charitable model of we'll let you into this playground now and we'll put some positions around the table whereas I think that's just a very small-minded viewpoint on intelligence and abundance and, and I think the biggest source of human intelligence is currently sitting outside the margins and Jack when you were talking I thought about Shirley Chisholm who was an activist from Brooklyn, New York, she has a quote that if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. It's the rebelliousness to claim space, even if the systems that were created to keep you out, even in spite of that, know that there's something in you that's unique and bring that to the table. And it's those thoughts that are outside of the margins. You're 100% right. That's where our richest resources are. If we're all thinking the same and talking the same, how are we gonna shake things up and how do we grow? And there's in the business world, my background, I went to business school and there was one case study that stuck with me for years. It was called the Abilene Paradox, how this team of business people, they were going to this meeting and one person is sitting in the back saying, we shouldn't do this or we should do it a different way. But they were so afraid to say something outside of the norm. So they get to their destination, they do the work. And in the debrief afterwards, there's a conversation that we shouldn't have done that. And the person who was in the back seat said, yeah, I was thinking that the whole time, but I didn't want to buck the system. And how much better would we be if we are courageous and rebellious and we just buck the system and let that be a norm and accept it. But we wanna shrink and fit back into the systems that were created, but they weren't really created for our creativity and they weren't created for equity and equality for all. So we just gotta bust it wide open. 
Yeah, and bring and I think the cool part about that seesaw potentially is like for your for for like taking the the chair into the table, taking it the 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 seat into the table and going, right, well, I'm gonna sit here. If we can do that, which is happening, like that progress is that 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 train's moving. And we can find a way to invite people to tip the seesaw back and be like, hey, come hang out over here. So for executives and for people in leadership who are looking for different ways of thinking, that that walk a mile in my shoes, like that real deep relations and connection, that that's where that's where the juice is. I think taking that intelligence and bringing other people from inside the margins to to really level up because I think we've got our we've already got all the new business schools in our head they're in our genetic code they're in our histories and so if we can be establishing doctorates and knowledge fields and systems that can sit in parallel and plug into those main systems like your the the mainstream business schools which are established by certain groups of people it's going to create for a more richer seesaw um, which I think is the heart of the co-CEO model. Like co-CEO model doesn't work if if you have just suddenly people from outside the margin sitting there parroting the CEO who's a white man. We fail. It doesn't work. But if a white man starts to learn and you have interchange and you seesaw, that's that's the art of mentoring is moving back and forwards. It's really interesting when we talk about what determines human intelligence and like most aspects of human behavior and cognition, intelligence is such a complex trait that's influenced by genetics and environmental factors and intelligence is changing rapidly because of, you know, as we spoke about earlier, colonization and the flawed systems that we're in. And it's about having a yeah a mental quality that consists of the abilities to learn from experience to adapt to situations to understand and handle these abstract concepts and then to use the knowledge that is so deeply embedded within each of us on this call to be able to make the world a better place or to be able to put forth new ideas old ideas and to to really use I suppose the values that's core to how each of us have individually been raised in some kind of level of marginalization. Because if we have, you know, people in power and people at the top that are are making the decisions, then then there's change, then change isn't going to happen because this knowledge and intelligence needs to come from those that have been left outside the margins and those that have had the lived experience to be able to create solutions to the current problems and the future problems that we're gonna to face together. These times that are made for resilience, ingenuity, kindness, joy in the face of despair, because that's what we're facing. We're facing really tough times. If you've been through generational struggle, that's part of the, the stuffed up nature of the system we've inherited part of the stuffed up nature of what so many people have have to had to endure you guys my family and and the 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 gift in that is that we're still here and and still being here having been through that surviving and still having ability to access joy and hope we 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 are we are the best suited and the best prepared for for leadership in the toughest times, and and I think that's the that's what humanity is going to have to tap into sooner rather than later. These kids we work with below the margin, like actually have more 
survival knowledge or because from their life experience than those perhaps above the margin will ever gain in their lifetime. And it makes so much sense like what you're talking about because I feel like it's a privilege uh, for those below the margin to realize like, yo, the system is made to keep me here. So I have to work against the system. And uh, so like, yeah, if, if you realize it's like, say, when I look on the screen, how we are having this conversation, like uh, our families and all of us have a background of uh, the kind of groups who are told the story of where they belong and uh, face the challenges of the flaws, but still be able to bring the smiles and cause the, they're aware that we have to walk through the blocks in the system to make sure my kids don't realize that they are disadvantaged or they are pushed away from crossing the margin because of the system was said to keep power in a certain group. And the interesting part, all I think about is like, maybe we need, uh, we need to realize the most important thing that we are, we are human. And uh, if we get an, if there's an opportunity for people below the margins to share their human experience of how they work around the flaws or the challenges that come with the flaws of the system, uh, this increases our human intelligence. The way Rian mentioned that uh, human intelligence keeps changing according to the situation and uh, it's something like hard to measure. Like, for example, like Jack, the experience you got when you came to Uganda or went to South Africa to Vitaly's church and met people and it's like, it might not be the first time, but like for a time when People are genuinely good to you, not just because you're the founder or the CEO of this um, amazing organization or called AIM trying to make the world a fair place, but because someone knows like, you you have my boys back for whatever reason, because I can tell you this, <laughs> my mom has never figured out what I do or what we do at AIM. She thinks we play with kids. We make sure kids enjoy school and happy at school, <laughs> uh, which is part of what we do. Mm. But like, uh, all I'm trying to say, like, they feel like we have to be nice because these people have my kids, bo my, my boys back. And uh, I don't know if even words can express what that means. Like someone you're seeing for the first time, someone who doesn't uh, uh, even make sense of the position you're in or what, but just because you're human and you're watching someone else's back who, who they know or who they're connected with, so they feel like they also have to have your back in that moment. I think that's, that's one of the, the things we need to put uh, front, being human. Well, and and being in relation, right? That's what you talk. I think that's one of the things which, which we, can, we can control is that the idea of inside and outside the margins is one, one worldview of measurement. So I would say that there are a lot of people who don't have money are not poor in other measurements of 
hope, joy, intelligence, relations, um, resilience, connection grounded to some sort of um, reality on the world, in the world. And the, that's the other part. Like we have a measurement system which says inside, outside the margins, which is a dangerous doorway to walk through. Like, you know, I've, I look at so many people that I've been so lucky to, to have gift knowledge to me from, inside, from, from traditionally outside the margins, whatever that means, which basically I think it means, if we're going to define it, money. It's like at the centre, it's money we're talking about. But like, do you have money as the wealth measurement? Now, that's not the only measurement of wealth. Like, what about the joy factor? What about those, those people that Jacqueline are talking about who, who grew up their whole life with a smile on their face? That's a happy life. That's a human life. And, and I think that's the other part. Like what we can shift as human beings, the beauty of the economic system is that economics is basically like creating something in the middle that we value. So we've said the dollar is valuable. What we have the opportunity to do is create alternative and parallel economic models, and that shifts the game. If the value is relations, what you're talking about there, Siaka, that we have humanities back, that we go across the tracks to other people, to other borders, that, that nation states are not going to hold us like in these, in these small confines, then we start to see that actually in terms of that measurement system, the people that we would say were outside the margins are actually the geniuses at, at how to build really strong kinship relations and have joy and have resilience. And so that intelligence score takes, takes this group to the top, which flips the script on who's inside and outside the margins. So we've got all these seesaws. We need lots more measurements because there's not just one, one playground. It's one of those things where for my life, I didn't realize that I was valuable and I had something to add to the world until I met people from other parts of the world and I got to hear different stories see other people's genius and their richness without richness not being dollars but their minds and what they brought from their communities that I said oh my community is different so if these different groups bring this that's what I bring something different also and that's the unlikely connections the more we get to go outside of our comfort zone and see other people in their element, we appreciate them, which in turn, a gift of that is for us to see the uniqueness in ourselves. Flipping what we could see as a deficit for myself, I saw things like, oh, I'm not, I'm not this. I had a long list of what I was not. And when I could see what other people were and how different, unique they were, I was able to crack through that system. So that relationship part, if we're able to get out of the comfort zones more, and that's what we do at AIM is we facilitate these unlikely connections, more people are able to tap into that. It's so powerful, Jacqueline. I think that was one of the things that I was really, really like steadfast on with taking AIM globally is we get stuck in tribalism. We get stuck in our own mindsets in our own countries, and it's hard to get the imagination or the imaginative juice for another story. But when you can leave nations and, and, and get mixed up in that goop, you start to see that a bunch of the rules are actually fluid and have been created. And, and you see that intelligence, that richness of the mind, that richness of connection, which you said, which I, I think we're going to have to jump into um, to designing this hoodie at some point. But Vitaly, you've been uh, thoughtfully listening, which is something that I've you know always respected with you. You kind of take the time to 
to listen and to think. Uh, what are your reflections on on becoming the co-CEO in South Africa and, and some of the things we've been talking about, about yeah, in, intelligence moving and how we can kind of shift the system? Being co-CEO was totally unexpected for me and for my community as well. For my family, I remember that time when I was told that I'm the co-CEO. I actually called on my twin sister to know that I've actually been made co-CEO and she was... Uh, she couldn't believe it, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it happened because it's an inspiring moment, you know, for, for myself, for, 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 my, for, for my family and for my community as well. I don't think before I joined him, I don't think there was ever a time where I thought I could actually become a co-CEO. Uh, my, 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 aspiration didn't go as far as that because uh, because uh, of what I was exposed to uh, in terms of, you know, sometimes you dream as far as your, your, your exposure, but imagination can take you a little bit further than that. But there is an issue of kindness that, uh, or that I want to reflect on uh i come from a very uh, welcoming community like you know when you come to my community you don't you will never feel like an outsider but then it made me over the years it made me question the fact of whether we are kind or is just the way of life here where we are uh, being kind to 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 to, uh, to one another, being kind to the environment, it's not something that we learned. It's something that we, I don't know, it's not something that we learned on a later stages. That is something that we grow within. And if if I go to Jack's point where you were saying that uh, measure of richness or wealth. It, it's, it's something that resonates with me. Like, I've, I didn't know I was poor until someone came and told me that I was poor. I, I, didn't, I didn't lack for anything. We didn't have money, but we didn't sleep hungry. We, we didn't measure what we have. We know what we have will sustain us and stuff like that. And that, to me, was the way of life. Like when you start measuring things, it also means that you have things in abundance. And I don't, I don't think that's how life was meant to be anyway, to have things in abundance enough that you are thinking this can sustain me for the next five years and so on and so forth. It's, it, it was always about, it was always about, can this sustain the community we are in today? Then can you sustain me for the next couple of years? Because it was about sharing. It was about, it was always about a community than an individual. That's how I grew up. Like that, you know, when, when we are trying to be kind to people, uh, trying also means that maybe the system is required to be changed because we are supposed to be kind, not try to be kind to people. We are supposed to be kind because that's, according to me, the way we are supposed to live. And, you know, one of the, you remember the first ever mentor festival 
uh, in Australia. What people mostly think about is that it was the first mentor festival in Australia. But what my team think about, I came from South Africa and we had mentors from South Africa who came in to be part of the event. And the one thing that resonates with them is the fact that they are Africans who actually welcomed uh, uh, Americans in an Austra in, in Australian soil. One of my 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 mentors, my one of the mentors actually put that we were holding the what do you call welcome to Australia board to welcome American people in Australia. To my mind, that was gone. It was gone. Then I saw it on this guy's status and I asked what was the most amazing thing during that time. And he said, to me, it was the fact that we can be the first to do anything anywhere in the world, regardless of whether you come from Africa, you come from Australia, you come from America. We are the first people who welcome Americans in Australia. And then the Australians came after us, but we were in Australia, which was something that almost was impossible. <laughs> you know, it's something that like everything is possible, just that the opportunities sometimes uh, can be rare, but when the opportunities are there, you know, we make things happen, like imagination, like you, you, you you could think in a million years, how can a South African person welcome an American in Australia? And, you know, sometimes it happened, it was never documented because, you know, but then when we think of it, it's something that goes way beyond connection. You know, it, it goes beyond, it, it's, it shows how simple the world is connected and how complicated we make it seem, you know, because we are simply connected. When I met Shaka the first time in Australia, it was the first time, but within a couple of minutes, it felt like I knew Shaka for a very long time because the, 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 the struggles that we face in a daily basis, the wins and our imagination as to what the world could look like in the near future was in sync. Maybe that's the opportunity that we need to create like for people to connect in that level where they start sharing and then we we'll know that maybe the the diversity in is in our appearance and color but our thinking even if it's diverse is coming towards a common goal you may find out that the common goal is not as diverse as we are because we just want to see the world a better place for everyone who is living on it we got a we got to design a a hoodie here and you know i i think what this hoodie can support you know um is co-ceos like so this hoodie is for co-ceos this hoodie is to for the for the small amount of funds that we can raise from it to help employ you guys to be co-ceos to help having space for us to have a networked co-ceo model where there's a stage of leadership for you know four to five people each year around the world to work together, to have that experience of what you said, uh, or you guys have all been talking about of like, okay, going across the borders and and then also hopefully to create a currency of leaders that have the confidence to and strengthen themselves and a, and a network to come back to, 
to be able to say to some of the movers and shakers in some of our more like mainstream established systems, hey, yeah, we'll work in relation, but I'm not just going to do it all your way. Like, like come learn some of the stuff I know and let's work together and let's value each other's intelligence. And, and I think that what we're hopeful for is that lots and lots of other organisations around the world build one very, very simple bridge sideways, not linear, sideways, and just put a co-CEO model in. Just hack the system like playing snakes and ladders. Just put co-CEOs into your executive room, whether you're a small business or a huge business, and get someone with intelligence from outside of your world into your game ASAP, not as the entry level role, but as someone at the top of the system and not just there to shadow you and puppet you, but actually to bring what they've already got, which is enough. It's like, I love working with you guys because what you've got already, you, like, you don't have to go to a business school. Like, it's your intelligence already, which is, is critical um, to bring to the party. So. That's what this this hoodie is going to help generate um, work around is is for co CEOs. So let's be fashion designers, gang. What do you what do you want on the hoodies? Let's go into the design room. This is quite the fun process. So one of the things that I would love to see on the hoodie is the color red. It's the color of for me courage and facing systems. So I would love to see red on there somewhere, even if it's a stripe. Yeah, I think we need to have something on there around nature versus nurture. I don't know how that's going to be represented, but I think it's something to symbolize, you know, the individual worlds that we've all grown up in versus the world we're currently coexisting in. And then with that as well, the world that is, you know, the current thing that we live in, um, because we, we can pretty much hand on heart say that this group of people gathering on this call would have never met, our paths would have never crossed if it wasn't for this world we're currently living in in AIM. Um, but that's not the everyday world that, every other human being gets to be a part of. So I'll call it. I think I would like um, a sketch of human being with like rays of light. You know, like a sketch of the sun, of the sun, but then the hum- just the rays and then a human being just showing a human being sharing their energy and love and passion to everyone. And um, if I was just to imagine a statement as like, it would be like, uh, I for you and you for me. I think that would, that would like briefly describe the whole um, ideology for AIM or why we do what we do. Because I remember the, uh, Jack, the first conversation we had in that um, interview for a golden ticket. Um, I remember like one of the problems was like, we didn't have the funds and the university partnership I had gotten could not uh, manage to sponsor the program. And I remember like when uh, I, I told you like, Jack, if we don't do this, these kids have no one else. They only have us. And so that still resonates to me. And I feel like, I for you and you for me is the 
typical definition of that status when you change your money like Shaka, you're the first gold and ticket winner, take aim to Africa. So I think I would, uh, I would love to see that on the Kosi or Hudi. How do you think we could represent or present an evolutionary worldview to inspire people to let go of preconceived ideas, to be able to shift perspective in profound ways? Like what imagery could be used to do that? What came to mind as you were presenting the question was a mind that was open with stars shooting out of the mind and like almost like fireworks. My, um, I'll, I'll just jump in quickly just to have a build from our three-year-old daughter who saw fireworks for the first time um, at this New Year's Eve. We sort of drove around to like our local sort of town um, fireworks at midnight and she looked up at the sky or nine o'clock fireworks, sorry. Um, and she, she looked up and she went, Mom, Dad, it's like paintings in the sky, which I think could be a beautiful way that we could think about those fireworks essentially out of the mind. It's like paintings of the mind. Um, it, and let's let it out. Let's, uh, I think someone said earlier, perhaps it was you, Siako Vitali, you're talking about um, having those limitations in movement uh, or, or expectations, but then understanding that imagination can kind of, can that's unlimited and perhaps those, those fireworks could be part of that. So for, for, for me, I think uh, inclusivity, uh, something that is representing inclusivity, I'm not sure what exactly, or diversity, but one thing that I appreciate about, uh, appreciate about this uh, opportunity is the, the diversity within the opportunity itself and because uh, when when i when i joined aim um the course or model was already there being modeled and it's it's something that i appreciated but i didn't think it was going to be something available for us when i say us <laughs> including people like shaka and you know uh, I thought it was exclusive, and when 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 I realized that it was open for for everyone, that was something that that I really appreciated that it was open. And if if we have something on the hoodie that represent inclusivity or diversity, that could be something interesting. And also, it allows me an opportunity to dream further. So a, a space where someone could actually put their dreams on would be something interesting, like a dream space, or you know, you can call it a dream space or whatever you call it, but somewhere where you can just write what you want and something that you want to see in the future. Because uh, since I, I, I became, uh, I came on this position, I started dreaming further. As if, as far as being a CEO myself, you know, so which is something that over the years since I joined AIM, I wasn't even thinking of that, like it was something very far-fetched, if I can put it like that, but that's, that's, that's my, my. And I love the part about having a dream space or a place where people can contribute to the hoodie. And as Jack was talking about art in the sky, um, there's often, there was a, a lesson you taught me a couple of years ago, Jack, which was that most people follow a logical path. 
and to find the illogical path and to listen deeply to the patterns of what people are saying. And when I picture, you know, the art in the sky or the fireworks and inclusivity and diversity and this dream space that Vitaly talks about, I can almost see like a blank section. And often we get mentors in AIM to write the next chapter. And so potentially that part of this hoodie could be that, you know, we leave space for people to contribute. We leave, um, yeah, we leave them the opportunity to then create change or to, to add their own artwork to it. Well, given that we're in different parts of the world, it would be cool for this hoodie to have some type of symbol of the world, whether it's a part of the, the mind or, or something else to really show how connected we all are. And going back to the first question where we kicked off about um, are humans decent? I think this is a case study for decency of humans across the world. Very interesting. Like as Ri and uh, and Butali were talking, and like uh, it's very interesting that actually even Jackie, it's kind of um, relates to what I was going to say. I'll, I think it was Ri who mentioned like a brain showing maybe the fireworks coming out and that. And I thought of like, um, I, I, I don't know, like uh, when, when I think of diversity, I think of a rainbow because it's like different colors following each other and what. And all I could think of is like, how about we have a sketch of a brain and like with fireworks or a rainbow coming out in form of fireworks, like representing <laughs> different ideas. Um, from all and this brain would represent like the whole world map or the sphere and like dreams just popping out in different colors does that make sense okay makes so sense makes great sense but you should say there's no stuff got here uh we could it's a good brief to to design a video i don't know like it's amazing to keep building and you um yeah, we've probably got, we're, we're, we're going to get towards the end of the podcast shortly. So I, I maybe I'll, I'll ask a couple of questions. If you've got a couple of thoughts on the last point, feel free to jump in as well. But um, have you thought about the um, the fabric of what it might be on? Like what, what sort of colour do you think the fabric would be of this hoodie? I don't know. I just love pink. I, I, I don't know why pink represents freedom to me. I just love pink. So the only thing I would think of is pink. What's the brightest color? Good question. Or do you do the opposite? Do you go dark and then have like the bright pictures to uh, to yeah to so people are more inquisitive into what's happening? I don't know. I think I will go for Rian's idea. Dark color with the brightest uh, prints. We could go multicolor. We could have different colored sleeves. Oh my god, we could do half half. We could go half half. We could change. We could add. We could be nice. I like half and half. Okay. Half and half it is. Half half. Maybe that's how we tie in unlikely connections as well, because it's an unlikely hoodie. Like it's gonna question. People are gonna question what on earth we're wearing, um, and so potentially that that plays a part in how we represent the unlikely connections. Yeah, that's cool. I, I wonder whether you could go 
I don't know if it's possible on the on the main, but you whether you could you could patchwork the the color system to be five, so it's not because I think if it's black white, it might be too linear. Um, the world's not black white. If it's pink blue, it might be too linear. But perhaps it's it's a patchwork of sort of five five color bases. Um, could be you know the yeah. way of, of bringing the five of you all together. It could have we could have symbols of the countries that you're from could be the, the outline of those five pattern places. And in that, we could have a mini story perhaps um, in it. And I think that you could perhaps then have that big image of the mind opening stars on the front exploding, a strike of red off to the side, your, your countries as your sort of patchwork um, pattern prints around it, and then a big um, board on the back which says, write a dream here. Um, and, and you just have it as something that keeps building. Jack, that's phenomenal. When you were describing that, I thought about a conversation with my eight-year-old niece. I asked her if she had a favorite color and she said tie-dye. And I said, well, tell me more. And she said, because I don't just like one thing. I like the burst of it all. So when you were talking about the five different colors, it reminded me of her conversation of, I, I love that she wasn't linear and boxed in and just picked a singular color. She went all out. Yeah, maybe we tie-dye it. Maybe that's a nice way to do to do that, to to get and see if we can get three to five, like see if we can get five different colours into the tie-dye. Um, that could be another solution for it. Okay, so if I take that away and come back to you guys as a designer, it's like I'll go get on the grunt and, and you know, get on the floor with Kem um, and, and think about the print. But if we could come up, we're either a, we'll come back to you with a patchwork option or a tie-dye option um, for approval if that's if that's okay, design leaders. Is that all right? Sounds great. Good luck. Um, Sounds cool. And then yeah, have fun with it. Then in terms of like the cloth, what do you want the cloth to be? Where do you want it to have come from? Um, is it recycled like plastic bottles? Is it recycled cloth? Is it a reclaimed um, old hoodie? Is it made from something else? Like, yeah, what, what would you like the cloth to, to be and to have come from? I reckon we should use old aim hoodies um, and potentially like that's the, like the five different bits of color that come together to create it. Because I reckon we've all, when we all first started our aim journeys, whatever capacities that was in, we each began with an aim hoodie as the symbol of the beginning of the journey. So potentially that could be what these bits of cloth are that come together. I'm a fan of uh, a restored, uh, recycled uh, uh, apparel. Uh, reason being is that I'm, I'm, I'm a zoologist by profession, so I care for the environment quite a lot. But on the process, I've learned that the recycling process is quite expensive. It makes it almost impossible for us to take care of the environment. but Restoring uh, things to close to their original state is not as expensive as uh, destroying and recreating something new. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I will go for uh, recycling uh, old hoodies. Perhaps that's the beauty of it because the model should be 
so easy that people can pick it up, that execs, organisations, those in leadership could just pick up the co-CEO model and run with it. And so perhaps by using something that already exists, by reclaiming it, um, it can make, the, it can signify how simple it is to take in new perspectives and those from diverse backgrounds to be able to, to lead and to wear a uniform with pride. And maybe the way to, to add a layer of bridge building is that we ask someone who makes hoodies if they'd like to build a bridge and, and hand a couple of hundred hoodies over to us that are either in dead stock or they're, that are in dead stock at the moment that they're not using or that are just sitting there dormant. And that could be extend that metaphor of the executives or those people that have some influence leaving their boardrooms and walking across the tracks and sitting on that seesaw um, in New Orleans or in Kampala or in Bendar or in the Sunshine Coast of Queensland and saying, yeah, I'll come over and, and sit down with you. Um, and so maybe we could see if, if for this one we, we do a reclaimed project um, and find someone that, that would like to, uh, yeah, utilise one of their hoodies and maybe it's that could be a way we could build a partnership with it. So is there anyone who'd be the dream uh, clothing group to have one of their their hoodies donated to us or passed over this project as our probably the final question for me thinking if something comes uh to my mind like jack i might not have an answer for you but like i i, I just i'm just excited about the idea of reclaimed <laughs> because um, reclaimed is one of like the projects we've done at aim that has bought something crazy like i i that sometimes I even sit back and like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know it's growing into circular fashion. But I, I, I don't know if I can think of like a textile company that can donate hoodies to us. Do you go for uh, a company that, that executives would be aware of? Do you go for a company that students, like young marginalised um, people that want to get into co-CEO positions would be aware of? Do you go for higher education institutions that have, you know, their university hoodies, et cetera? I don't know. These are the wonderful questions you get to wrestle with in apparel design. The source of the cloth. Well, what do you think? Give me, give me, give me some sort of direction as to where to go. Reclaimed, and is there a? Um, and I'll I'll go down a pathway if you give me some direction. So just tell me where to go. Boss me around, co CEOs. I reckon we go higher ed institutions or whatever the whomever the company is that designs the uniform or the kit for them. So, like in America, we know that the apparel for university students is a massive deal. Um, and I think Nike sponsors most of them. But in, in Australia, I think each university is responsible for their own. Um, so yeah, that's my input. Going to the sports uh, apparel because they have an abundance. So that's the train of thought that I was rocking with. Okay, awesome. Well. If, if, if you've got any sports apparel leads, you can do some co-CEO hustling after the call and we can, um, we can see how we go with some bridge building. And to take us out and, and, and zoom out, maybe we can finish today's podcast with, um, with just a, 
a reflection on someone you told uh, about becoming a co-CEO at AIM and, and what that was like and, and that will finish us up. So I'll, I'll finish here with, with my voice and just say thank you all for, for joining us and whoever is the, um, the last person to share of, of this group of four co-CEOs of the person that you shared the story with. If you can just round out the show and thank everyone for joining us on the Making of a Hoodie podcast, that'd be great. So over to you all. Thanks so much for, for everything you do and for your joy, your passion, your commitment and your energy that I'm so lucky to be connected to. It's a gift to have um, relations with all of you. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for taking me along on the journey. I shared my that I'm a CEO, I'm a co-CEO with the, the director of community engagement at the University of Venda, uh, name of Prof. Nechandama. And I was invited to go on a planning session for executive council with the uh, community engagement so that we can come up with a draft for what community engagement can look like in the next couple of years and that was exciting because uh, I've, I've never really found myself in that kind of executive uh, level thinking and you know contribution and stuff so that was cool that's awesome Vitaly I got to go into a school last week here in Brisbane and it was the first time I'd seen the, the students since the end of last year and was able to tell them that you know, I was fortunate enough to be the co-CEO this year. And they were like, what does that even mean? Um, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, it means we're, I'm in the exec leadership team. It means I get to sit in on board meetings. I get to do like all of the fun stuff and the hard stuff. But at the end of the, end of the day, I still get to come and sit side by side with you guys in tutor squads. And for them, they were totally mind blown that someone at the age of 24 could be a co-CEO and could be in this kind of role. And it was really inspiring and eye-opening for me to, to be in that space and to hold the space for them to be able to ask questions and inquire about what it meant and to be, yeah, to be proud, to be proud of myself, to be proud of the organization we work for to be proud of the space that we are able to provide for future generations and that was something for me that I don't think I'll ever forget in my you know in not only within this role but within my whole working career. I was going to share like when I shared with my partner Sandra I told her I was co-CEO and she's like oh this is proof that your brain now works <laughs> after the, the head accident. <laughs> <laughs> they had accident and got it like both of us were not sure and like for Jack offering for me to apply as a co-CEO was like oh this is proof that your brain works but then the the part that I, I would really want to share was like uh, there's a kid a mentee called Kakuba Sharon and she, we were doing one of the imagination tv episodes and she, she was giving a speech and that was the first time I was telling the kid it's that I'm co-CEO, just like Rian shared with the kids and they didn't know what it was, but I described to them what CEO is and what, and they're like, oh shit. Sharon was like, so I can also be an executive of a global company, like a Ugandan being an executive of a global company. So it got the, them so excited and I felt like, oh wow, I'm so happy I shared. I didn't know what to expect for them to react after me sharing that I'm now co-CEO. 
so I'm so I'm so thankful to have this role to connect with you guys and then and everyone at AIM to be able to have the privilege to work in this position. I'm so thankful and being here at this podcast. So I share the news with one of my mentors and her first question to me was, this is great. And what is your intention? She wanted to know what my intention was. How did I plan to be resourceful with my time and energy for the organization, which was a great question because it was something I thought about well before I said yes to being co-CEO. And so that's one thing that I, I try to keep grounded is my intention. And part of my intention is to lift as I climb which is what AIM is about. We're pulling everyone up as we come up as well. So that was exciting. I mentioned it to my niece, which is one of my favorite people in the world. My, my nieces and nephews are phenomenal folks. They're my squad. And my eight-year-old niece, she goes, so this means like work from home. And I said, what do you know about work from home? And she's like, you know, it's on the commercials. People work from home and you get to have a work shirt on and pajamas on the bottom. And I was like, yep, pretty much. Um, so it, the spectrum of excitement and curiosity around it. And I think as we progress this year, the five of us using this Times Five model as co-CEOs, we're going to open imaginations for people to do this in their own organizations and find a way to make it work because we're doing this across many continents and time zones and different countries and cultural backgrounds and it's possible and we all come with an open mind and heart and that's the pure magic. So I'm thrilled that everyone listened to this episode today and we want everyone listening to reach out to us to find out how they can get plugged in and we can help make a fairer world for us all. Thanks for listening and catch us next time. Bye.